0: Is Ken McMillan. He is on the board with the Warren Henderson Farm Bureau, also a Rotarian and a retired professor of economics and business with Monmouth College. Welcome, Ken. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you for rooting for my Razorbacks last night. I
1: did. I watched every minute. I could almost hear you clear across town cheering <laughs> for the we, Hogs.
0: <laughs> we were cheering for the Hogs. Definitely. Anytime you you get lucky and can knock, knock off one of the best teams in the nation, you you, you feel pretty good going to sleep. You
1: did. You did.
0: Coming up on or this past Monday, uh, we had the second AG roundtable, and at the same time, you were delivering an economic outlook for Monmouth Rotarians. We will have that speech coming up today at one p.m. Set the stage for us, Ken. What you talk about?
1: Well, number one, the purpose of this this was the thirty third year that Rotary uh, focused on the economy because people need to know what's how the economy is, families need to know, businesses need to know, the college needs to know. So for 33 years, they've had somebody talk about economics, and then the Rotarians sit around the table in teams and try to predict things like what the rate of inflation will be, what the unemployment rate will be, what the prime, rib will, prime rate will be, what the price of beef is going to be, and all kinds of things. So that, that's what the setting was. And so I tried to focus on some of the big things that people are concerned about. Inflation, the price of gas, um, unemployment prospects, what the stock market's going to do. And for this area, a little focus on the farm economy, because that's very important to this this community. So all of those things kind of got uh, included and... uh, it, it was both frightening for me to do it because who knows in this climate with a war what's going to go on. But I did my best. We had fun, and I hope it was fruitful.
0: Good. Is there any indication through news headlines this morning that potential talks between the Ukraine and Russia may be on the table now?
1: I didn't hear anything in the early morning news uh, that, that that's the case. I mean, there are people that just... Just want to say, let's have a truce and, and stop this thing. But there's an increasing feeling that that Ukraine should not just agree to, to give to Russia a big hunk of Ukraine, um, really to, to uh, give positive reinforcements to the hunger that Russia seems to have for taking over and, and the widespread slaughter of this this country. So that's what I heard yesterday. People were saying, well, well, don't tell them just to sit down to agree and then give Russia what they wanted. Uh, it's unwarranted. Sure.
0: Well, we will keep our eyes on the situation. We had a chance to talk about it a lot during the roundtable, and how it affects global, uh, the global economy, which it is doing uh, on, a, on a very large scale. And of course, this affects our agriculture markets. Expand on that, please.
1: Absolutely. The, the Ukraine, when it was part of the Soviet Union, was the breadbasket for the whole of the Soviet Union. And back in 1972, when I went to Washington, to to be the speechwriter for Secretary of Agriculture but the day that I arrived in Washington was the day he got back from being the first US official to meet with uh, Brezhnev who was the chief of of uh, the USSR negotiated the great Russian grain sale where where we sold wheat and and corn particular particularly because the crop in the Ukraine had failed for one of the fir- one of the first times. And by the next year, if a lot of people will remember, soybean prices jumped to $13 a bushel. Now that was 1972. And and basically, um, if you look at war going on in the Ukraine, that's going to reduce the supplies available for next year of wheat to to the Middle East, to lots of other places, and of course that's increase uh, the price of all of our commodities. But, but the other side of the coin is a lot of the bases for fertilizer and other things come from the same area. And so as farmers here look at a, at a high price of corn and soybeans and think, aha, we should have a good year. The, the price of fertilizer has gone up much more than the price of any of those commodities. The price of, of any of the chemicals is gonna be going up. It's farmers and bankers are all sitting on pins and needles because there is so much uncertainty going into the year. And that's totally disregarding the uncertainty of the weather and the uncertainty of a lot of other things. So it's a very precarious time made worse by the war that's going on in Ukraine.
0: Okay, Anything else with farm economy that you want our audience to know about that you spoke about Monday as an economic outlook.
1: No, ba- basically, I thought it—I I was in a political meeting over to Galesburg a couple of days ago, and this this one guy who's really a, a very perceptive guy said, gee, farmers ought to be—you know, they ought to be, be absolutely in heaven thinking about the prices. And the main point is farmers understand this, and the community needs to understand that the price of all the inputs are going up— much more than prices, and if, if the price of fertilizer is so high, a farmer has to decide this year we're going to use less fertilizer. What does that mean? That means the crop's going to be reduced. Okay. And so we've got uh, a couple of years, at least, of uncertainty that's the biggest factor facing any decision farmers or anybody in agribusiness makes.
0: Okay. Stock market. What we learned so far is it's been pretty resilient through the the uh, the war uh, so far. Well, through a lot of things, quite frankly, over the last two years. Yeah,
1: it goes up and it goes down. But one of the things I mentioned in in uh, uh, in my speech the other day is uh, you got to watch what you hear on the news because there are a lot of people that are reporting uh, stock market prices that don't really understand much about uh, about basic arithmetic and they don't understand much about the market you know one day now imagine this you've got a hundred thousand dollars in a 401k program and the reporter comes on and says the stock market dropped 10 percent today but then the next day they say the stock market went up 10 percent that makes you think okay it's volatile it's up and down but think about this if you got $100,000 in your 401k, the stock market goes down 10%. You have lost $10,000, and your balance is now $90,000. The next day, they say, well, it went up 10%. 10% of 90000 is $9,000, and so your, your account now only has $99,000 in it. You lost $1,000 overnight almost. Now, if you do that every day... By the end of the year, your 401K is going to be in trouble. And so the, the thing that I would say is people have to really watch the, the market. Uh, and then they've got to have a financial advisor they probably trust or a good banker that they trust so that they, they will know what to do. Because the ups and downs, when it's very volatile, create even more uncertainty for people.
0: Okay. Anything else on the stock market you want folks to know about? No,
1: I think that's – that's. Uh, okay. they just have to watch and be careful and understand the news that comes to them.
0: Sure. Inflation. We hear this term a lot. There were references made in the Ag Roundtable of a potential um, serious situation down the road. I mean, it's already uh, a challenge uh, for, for businesses to operate uh, as well as the consumer with inflation. Describe what inflation is – Uh, where it's at and what we need to be on looking at on the horizon.
1: Okay. Inflation is much deeper than an increase in in prices. I say if there's a frost in Florida, if the oranges turn black and we have less orange juice and we've got 330 million people in this country who love orange juice, so the demand for orange juice is there but the supply is badly diminished, the price of orange juice is going to go up. That is not inflation. Inflation is a monetary, a money uh, phenomenon. Inflation is if you take a dollar bill and you know what its buying power is. But when you have inflation, it's as if somebody pumps some hot air into that dollar bill, and it doesn't have as much buying power in it as it did before. And that gets reflected with the overall price level, uh, which which includes everything, uh, goes up. Now, there are a lot of sources of inflation. One we, we call cost-push inflation. For instance, when there is a shortage of, of oil. And this happened back in the 1970s, and it happened uh, – a lot of it is what's going, going on now. When the cost of everything goes up, that means the prices of everything tend to go up. So that's one source. The other source is demand-pull inflation. And basically what happened uh, with, with a lot of the inflation over the last couple of years when the federal government pumped a lot of dollars into people's pockets and nobody wants to turn down, you know, that check that comes in the mail. But inflation really occurred usually when, when people's incomes go up because they've been working, they produced something when they were working. And so the increase in income goes out to purchase the increased production. But what happened here? We shut the economy down almost with, with all the COVID restrictions. We weren't producing. And then we, sh- we shoveled a lot of money into people's pockets, uh, well-meaning, But the result was you had all this additional money, fewer goods and services, and that just causes inflation and increase in the price of everything. And then there's a third thing, which is really, really dangerous. It's called inertial inflation. For about 30 years, inertia kept inflation at about 1.5% per year because there's a tendency for whatever inflation is, just like if you're rolling a ball down the hill. there's a tendency for it to either stay fixed until you hit it mm-hmm. or once it starts rolling to keep rolling. Well, for years we had inflation fixed. Then with all those factors, the excessive spending uh, not producing, the ball started rolling. And so it rolled and it rolled and it rolled and now we're up to seven plus percent. And one of the other problems I've I've said for, the, the seven years I've been giving this speech, the, the Federal Reserve kept interest rates too low, too long. And all last year, the Fed said, oh, inflation is just a small thing. It won't be, it won't be large, and we'll have it under control. They refused to do anything for a year, and now we've got 7-plus percent inflation.
0: Okay. Do you see it ending?
1: Uh, I, I don't see it ending soon. I think there's so many strong things, basically, in this economy. But, but, you know, now they're talking about sending people $25 checks or $50 checks or something else uh, because of gas prices. And you're put, a lot of people that don't even have a car, they're going to they're gonna send more checks out too. This just continues to stimulate the, the source of, of inflation and the Build Back Better Uh, Bill, you know, that's still that's still quietly back there, which would would push a lot more dollars out into the economy when the production's not quite there to sustain it. And so I I think it's going to be a while. Congress may have to do as they did in the 70s to break the back of inflation, and that is painful. It often causes unemployment. It often causes some other things. Uh, That was why it was so dangerous not to try to do something about inflation when it started.
0: Okay. All right, anything else you want folks to know about the economy, the average Joe or Jill, uh, you know, that doesn't understand stock market, you leave that to a financial advisor, and uh, you know, we're just every day trying to work and get her done. What's your your outlook for us? (coughs)
1: Just, I, I think everybody needs to just proceed with question. Now, we want everybody also for the economy to work. People have to be optimistic. They have to be willing to make plans. They have to be willing to make investments and so forth. But it's it's kind of like the the difference between microeconomics and macroeconomics. And you have some economists that say, "Oh, gee, there's nothing wrong." Uh, these spending programs won't cause inflation. There are other people that, that panic. L- l- let's look back to September 11th. We all remember how scared we were after September 11th. We're mad. Now, now the microeconomic econ- mm-hmm. theorists and all of us said, man, I don't want to go spend a lot of money. I, I better keep hold of some of that money. Or, you know, I've got to buy groceries. I've got to pay my rent. I've got to do things for the kids and so forth. So from a microeconomic standpoint, when you've got a panic or when you've got a war or something else, you basically want to save and you want to be careful. Now, from a macroeconomic standpoint, if every citizen in the country stopped spending, (laughs) that reduces demand. That means production goes down. That means people get laid off and we have a a recession. So the micro and macro forces in an economy conflict with with each other. So looking ahead, it just means you don't grind to a halt in terms of your buying or going on vacation or planning uh, to repair the house or whatever it happens to be, but you do it with caution and you keep some reserves. Uh, Yet, watch the economy, watch the changes, watch the interest rates and so forth uh, to try to make sound decisions for the future. And it's a very difficult time with a war going on in the world. Probably the, you know, it's one of the worst things in my lifetime. I didn't think we'd ever see in the civilized part of the world anything like this. And so that just adds to the uncertainty and the question. Uh, You just can't sit back and relax
0: okay and who's your pick for uh, winning the whole tournament there ken
1: well my pick was the university of illinois which blew it badly um, but the university of houston did well enough last night that it makes illinois but i'm i'm for st peters i mean the whole world is for st st peters if st peters plays arkansas i'll probably be for st peters but well <laughs> This hog's still rolling.
0: (laughs) Lucky, 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 lucky. Sunshine's on a dog's behind once in a while, right?
1: Well, at least every other day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ken, thanks so much for being here. Ken McMillan with us on 1330 WURAM and FM 94.